Um, okay, Ethan, I've certainly spent well than enough time on myself. Let's get into you. Let's get into your sporting experience. I mean, so I, I, I know think... you you started as a baseball player, correct? Yeah, but I'm gonna I'm gonna tell. A f- I have some fun stories, I think. So I'll change the yes, you do. The, the energy a little bit yes. here. Less well, I was of listening the to you talk about competitive. <laughs> like I was a competitive little runt also when I was a kid, and <laughs> yeah, I think that that's definitely something we share. And I guess a lot of the inspiration for why I love sports so much is I just love competing, and that seemed like a pretty natural yeah. way to do it. But a really fun vision story that I'll share from when I was young, and I don't know if you've heard this before. I think you probably have though. Um, when I went to day camp. When I was like, oh, I love this story. Five or six years old. This is my favorite story. Was super competitive, and they had an all-camp Simon Says tournament where they brought in this professional guy to run a game of Simon Says. I know this isn't a sport, but it definitely is competitive. And they brought in this guy to play Simon Says against the whole camp. So they probably lined up 500 people in a field, and all the counselors were looking at all the kids to make sure if someone got it out, they they were taken away. But the guy starts playing Simon Says, and slowly but surely, all the kids around me, they start dropping like flies. And, you know, the guy goes, put your hand on your head, and I would put my hand on my head, right? Seems pretty easy. Yeah. Well, Simon so, Says. I mean, Simon Says to do it, so I do <laughs> it, right? It doesn't seem that hard. Yeah, So yeah, yeah. I'm sitting there in the field. Maybe there's like 10, 15 people left. It's been about 30 minutes, and I'm, I'm doing great. I'm locked into the Simon Says game. I'm like five. And eventually I'm the last one left out of the whole camp of 500 people in this game of Simon says, and the guy now in front of the whole camp is just trying to get me out in this game of Simon says. And after about 10 minutes, he gets really frustrated, frustrated and just gives up. And so I won (laughs) the camp wide Simon says tournament when I was five and there's like 10 year olds at this camp. Uh, and you know, the counters were really impressed. So there was like that day at the end of camp when all the parents come to camp and my parents show up and the counselors are like, uh, Carrie and Scott, like your, your son is like an unbelievable Simon says player. And my parents look at each other and smile and go, you know, you can't see, right? Like you couldn't see him trying to fake him out. <laughs> so when everyone else, you know, put their hand on their head and the guy would touch his nose, People will touch their nose, but when you can't see the guy touch his nose, it's pretty easy to put your hand on your head. So exactly. <laughs> I was competitive, but also, you know, kind of had an advantage. So I will say that I'm probably one of the best Simon Says players in the country and definitely a resume Damn of right. for the rest of my life. Dude, I, I, that is my old time favorite story and I wasn't even there for it. Um, but I, I've told numerous people that same story because that is... That is my goddamn favorite story. <laughs> I mean, I was an absolute lock. How how did you know I was going to be in the competition? Like everyone else yeah. just went home. Yeah, they really should have gone home. But I, I do think it's like one of the rare examples of like, wow, our vision really does some great things for us. Like when you yeah. when you look at the bright side and you think of these moments that like, had we not been visually impaired, we just never could have even fathomed. You never would have been Simon Says champ. That, that's right. At five like, years I mean, old. Maybe I would have been natural, <laughs> but I think it'd be a lot less likely. Unlikely.
and there's more yeah, glory so, in science. I don't know. I was, a, I was a really competitive kid. I loved sports growing up, and I really wanted to win. When I was, when I was, you know, seven, eight years old, I loved playing baseball. That was my favorite sport, and I think sports took over a lot of my life. Like not just playing. Like I became a huge fan, and I watched tons of sports, and I collected baseball cards, and I memorized all the statistics on the back. And I think that's why I like numbers and math. It's because I like sports so much. Or maybe I like sports so much because I like numbers and math. I'm not really sure which way the, the causation goes. But nonetheless, I think they had a lot to do with one another. But I'd say, like, my first passion for playing was, was definitely baseball. And when I was young, I, lo- I was a pitcher. And when we first started baseball, there was no pitching. So, we you know, it was like t-ball and, you know, the, the, the then the dads would come out and pitch. And when I was young, like, it, like one of my close friends' dads was the coach when I was about five or six. And what he would do is he would take the baseball and color them in with red Sharpies so that I could see it better. And we tried all these different right. things for me to be able to play. And, you know, like at that age, the ball was either on a tee or coming in really slow and I could hit pretty well. And I guess I was naturally relatively athletic. And so I, I really loved playing and I was pretty good. Then when we got to like eight years old, nine years old, we got to pitch ourselves. This is like second grade or third grade. And I was really good right. at pitching. And I don't know how hard you throw. My, my numbers aren't going to be as accurate as your numbers, but maybe right. I threw You're like right. 45 right. or 50 <laughs> miles an hour, which is like really fast for it for someone my age. No, that's super fast. I remember when I was like 13 or 14, there was like a tennis ball like competition to see how fast you could throw a tennis ball. And I think I threw like, 30 miles an hour as a 10 as a 10 or no not not as like a 13 year old so i guess that's why you were running yes (laughs) i mean i i didn't turn out to be a a d3 baseball player so this story is not going to be as exciting as yours but so i was i was really into baseball and at the end of like maybe my eight-year-old season so i was like second or third grade we had like uh tryouts for for the travel team so i go to the tryouts for like everyone in my town, maybe it's like a hundred kids show up and they like all the parents like look at us and scout us and give us scores. And I was ranked the third best player in my, in my town out of the hundred people. And I was like really oh, yeah. excited and I made the, the top travel team in my area. And the, the coach calls <clears throat> up my parents and tells them it's, it's, it's they're really excited to have me. And I'm so looking forward to it. And that next week, like to end the season was the all-star game for the, for the kids in the little league. And maybe each team right. had like one or two players on the team. And I got to be the closing pitcher for the, for the game. It's probably like a six or seven inning game. And so oh, yeah. my team was winning. And so I got to come in at the end to get the last three outs. And so I strike out all three guys to end the game. And I'm like really excited about it. And my Clinched parents, it go up to me and they're like, wow, like that was great. And you know, my parents aren't really very into sports, but they were always supportive of me. And they go, right. but you probably want to go check on Maddie, who was like a friend of mine. And I was like, wait, what do you mean go check on him? They're like, Ethan, you just struck him out to end the game. I was like, wait, that was Maddie. <laughs> so <laughs> it turns out I, I, I struck out like my best friend at the time in to end our, our, our all-star game for, for Little League. And I had no idea it was him because I couldn't tell. And in that moment, <laughs> yeah. uh, my I mean, mom, how, how far away are you? You know, you're like wait. 45 feet away. Yeah, there's no way you're seeing Yeah, no is. chance. So it was that moment that my parents were like, yep, Ethan, 
that's plenty. Uh, no more baseball for you, despite wearing like one of those uh, face shields on the helmets and like a chest protector when I was in the field. And I was doing anything my mom and dad said was required for me to play. It was that moment right. they're like, you're not going to be able to get out of the way of the ball when you're hitting. If it comes back at you, you're going to have no chance reacting because, you know, it picks up pretty quickly. Guys get better and they mature yeah. more and ball comes a lot faster. But that was definitely my first love. And because I struck out my best friend, and I didn't know it was him. I had to quit. <laughs> and I remember the coach, my parents had to call up that travel coach and be like, yeah, he's not going to play. And the guy got so angry. They're like, we were relying on him for the team. Like, it was very important that he played. <laughs> Showing up to the trial was like a commitment to the team. And my parents were like, he's eight. He's not playing. <laughs> and that was the end of yeah. it. Yeah, he's eight. He's visually impaired. <laughs> he, he's not playing. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that that kind of like sprung board into, you know, me wanting to play other sports. So I played a lot of soccer and a lot of basketball. And if you're noticing a trend, the sports I played were the ones with the big ball. Yeah. Because it checks know, out. the small ones, very hard for me to see, but the big ones, it's not so bad. But I think my story as like a sports person is like how I use my vision either to my advantage or how I had to adapt differently to be successful. Right. Soccer is a really funny story because the refs, would give you the hardest time with anything. And I had to wear sunglasses and hat when I played. And so everyone, you know, I know a lot of people had like those glasses with the straps on the back that would go on. But yeah, because yeah, I needed yeah. to play in a hat, I'd get a lot of a lot of crap from the refs and the opposing coaches and they didn't want me to hurt anybody. So after a lot of searching, my dad and I finally found these hats that when they have impact, they fold into your head. So I could go up and I can compete for headers and play soccer, no problem. And it was like a really big innovation. So on the soccer end, I played like from a young age through like JV in high school. Um, I really liked it. I wasn't that good, honestly, but when I was in ninth grade, I was on a team that was way too good for me to be honest. And in this game that we had for like the Long Island championship, I scored the game winning goal. And then they asked me to stay, hey. but I knew the team was way too good for me. So I left anyway, <laughs> but it was like really fun. Like I kind of went, uh, kind of went and to, to what I considered to be the peak of my, my soccer playing. But I, I always really liked it, but it was hard because everyone was so spread out and spaced that there was kind of just too much for me to take in a lot of times. Yeah. No, I mean, there's no way you're seeing it. Were you, were you ever in a situation where you're like, I don't know where the ball is right now? Oh, all the time. All the time, right? Because you can't see the whole soccer field. There's no, there's no way. You can kind of look where all the people are moving and you got to know the ball is pretty yeah, close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was hard when people got better, responsibilities got more strict with what was expected of me. That like just having good skills with the ball or, you know, having a good soccer IQ wasn't going to take me to where I needed to be. But I love playing. Yeah. So then we kind of sure. transition into, into playing basketball, which I also played from a young age. When I was in third grade, I think I was just really good at tryouts. I don't know. I think I, I, <laughs> I like ice. I like the moment. The I like competing. So when I was in third grade, I went to a tryout for the, the team in our town. And I made the like the, the better team that I definitely, again, shouldn't have been on. But I had an awesome tryout. And so <laughs> I was on this team. Again, that was way too good for me. I eventually like didn't play on a team as competitive after that. But I'd say the hallmark of my basketball life is I was like 
really good at shooting free throws. And the reason I was oh, really, really good is because the basket never moved and I could go into the gym and practice it a hundred times over and over and over again every day. So I was getting so many reps and I knew exactly what I had to do to be successful. And so I'd go into the gym, I'd shoot free throws over and over and over again. And I was gotta be one of the best free throw shooter for someone my age. Pretty ironic. I can't make a free throw for my life anymore, but I'll, I'll explain that in a second. <laughs> but it, it came down to like, I knew that I can control the free throw line. And there's also yeah. like, you know, some other shots like corner three pointers, but I just got really good because I knew no matter what was going on in the game, if I had the ball in those situations, I could put myself in position to succeed. The other thing I got good at is like playing slowly. So a lot of players when they play basketball are like, like twitchy or they're like using athleticism. I was very methodical. I had good footwork. And the reason like I focus on those things was because if I had the ball and I had an objective, like I could get from point A to point B and I knew where I need to go. Whereas like if I needed to go really quickly, I couldn't really take in everything around me and it was a lot more difficult. So I kind of just let the right. game come to me and I kind of played my own style and I, I probably looked different from all the other kids, but nonetheless, I could compete and I was really good at free throws. So I, I kind of had an identity. Oh yeah. And, but, and you're, I mean, you're a pretty tall guy now. How tall are you? What, in middle school? Is this middle school playing or is this high school playing? Like in, in like middle school, like I wasn't tall at all. Like I wasn't even tall in the beginning of high school. So that's like oh, the evolution really? here for, for basketball. Yeah. I grew from maybe five, what, five, six to about six, four, six, five by my senior year of high school. And I was short until like my junior, sophomore year, maybe of high school. Jeez. So basketball got a whole really lot easier, beamed up. whole lot easier. But also <laughs> yeah. the things that I required for myself drastically changed too. So instead of worrying about shooting or the ability to do any of that, I just only play within five feet of the basket now. And of course I'm going to be good because I can actually see the rim from there. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So I kind of, I kind of changed the way I play. My peripheral vision is not that great. So like playing help defense is tough and there are definitely, and, and like for those who play basketball, like when you're playing against a zone, playing like on the free throw line and the high post is hard because my peripherals isn't very good, but I just found the things that worked for me and got really good at them. And now I just, you know, I play bully ball and I try to be as tall and close to the basket as possible. And it goes pretty well. I'd say I'm a pretty good basketball player by, by all standards. Nice. I'll, I'll say I'm a pretty bad basketball player by all standards. If I had your speed, I'd be <laughs> a lot better. <laughs> if I had your height, I'd probably be a decent amount better. <laughs> Not a lot better, we, but I'd definitely a be a little person? bit better. You're trying to make a yeah, super Yeah, we could combine. I, I, uh, when I play basketball, it looks like my feet are in cement. Like I just, they, they don't <laughs> I was, I was never good at basketball. I actually played basketball in fifth and sixth grade. I forgot to bring that up, but I, I scored a total of one basket in two years. So that's so why I let that there. one go. <laughs> yeah. Was your favorite part also running up and down the court? Uh, no, I got a fast break one time and then I air bomb it. <laughs> Damn, it's tough scene. No, yeah. I, I think, uh, I'll say again, I, I think running was maybe meant for me with or without the uh, low vision. Yeah, I, I yeah. think, though, that, like, 
I tried all the sports though. So like eighth grade, I played on the tennis team at school, which is pretty competitive. Okay. Uh, tennis is tennis is tough. For it was so opinion. hard, but I know like I was athletic and I could like hit the ball okay, even though I didn't really know what I was doing. But when everyone started so serving I played... hard, I couldn't return it anymore. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing, like. I... I, I, so, you know, I, I, I was good. I'm good at squash. I'm still pretty solid at squash. Um, and I've played some tennis and like, I, I used to play tennis when I was a kid. So I have some reference. I can't see the tennis ball now until it's over the net. So Same. if you shoot a fast shot, there's no fucking chance I'm hitting the ball if it's not right at me. That's why I stopped playing in eighth grade. People start yeah. shooting fast shots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It all it all exactly. didn't help that I broke my hip playing soccer in eighth grade. So Ooh. that was during the tennis season, so I actually couldn't play anymore. And then I did yeah. it again in tenth grade, which was no good. You broke your hip twice? Yeah. Well, you made hip. a glass? No. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm lucky I made a glass. <laughs> But wow, that's 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 a real bummer. The the hip thing though is not a coincidence. So I stopped playing soccer after the second broken hip, as you can imagine. But yeah, that checks out. My senior year again. Now we're talking the most exciting sports stories we got. Hell yeah! I the pinnacle. I I mean you, I I feel like I've told you about this right about kicking. Yes. Yeah. I've heard I've so I've heard the kicking stories, but never the full rap in one go. So, so I'm you know. Big, I'm a big into sports guy, and my a lot of my friends are into sports. And my junior, my junior spring of high school, I wasn't really. I mean, I was playing sports, but nothing at school. And I was talking to one of my friends, and they're like, "You couldn't play football." I'm like, "Hell yeah, I could play football." And they're like, "You're not gonna actually do it." <laughs> I'm like, "If it's to prove you wrong, I will." So I, I realized I could probably kick for the football team because I, I played soccer. So that summer, oh, that checks out. I got like five footballs on, off Amazon for like twelve bucks a piece, and one of those nice, cool nice. holding stands that you see on TV when the kickers warm up. Wow, very convenient from Amazon. Please sponsor us. Yeah, yeah, please sponsor us, <laughs> Amazon. You also own Audible if you want to go for that. Yes. <laughs> either one, we'll do them either. <laughs> yeah, well, why not both? Is the right answer here. Why not both? So I go to the field and I go to practice. And like my mom and dad, they each go out with me a few times to go see if I'm any good at this. And the problem is I can't always tell if I make it in. If you make it? Yeah. So I could line up. So not surprising. I could line up and I know if it's left or right misses, but I can't tell if it's far enough. If it's oh yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, because no I'm relating super heavy right now. I I totally understand you because you can tell once you kick the ball if it's going left or it's going right. Yes, but you can't tell if it's going to be short really until it's there. And, and even then, when it's there, that far it's too far. I have no idea. <laughs> I exactly. mean, I know if it misses or goes in by a lot, but when it's close, I don't know. Exactly. So. I agree. You know, the more I kicked, the more I started to get a feel for it. Like, I know if it was, like, a good kick off my foot or not. So I would tend to know if it was far enough or not. But anyway, I tried a few times over the summer, maybe three or four times I went and I kicked. 
And my mom or dad would kind of like stand behind the goalpost, tell me if it was in or not. And I started yeah. getting pretty good at it, to be honest. I mean, good's relative, right? I'd never kicked before and I'm blind, so it doesn't really seem like a great <laughs> thing. But I was I was able to start making kicks from like 35 yards, like relatively like 30, 35 yards pretty consistently. Um, I remember one time in a practice, I hit a 41 yarder and I think that was the farthest kick that I hit. Like I wasn't Damn. that good at kicking, right? Like, don't get me wrong. I was no prodigy, yeah. but like, you know, for a <laughs> high school kicker, like I was pretty accurate. I could make my kicks. All that was great. So I went out in August. I went to the, the football team, uh, like pre preseason. They do like their hell week and stuff. And I decided, okay, I'm going to be the kicker. So I show up to the practices and, you know, they're like, who the hell are you? Like, I feel like the football team's kind of like a cult. Like they know everyone and yeah. like all that. And like, I knew a few guys that played, but like no really close friends or anything. So I go out there. The coach is like, who are you? I'm like, I'm Ethan. I'm here to try to kick. They're like, okay, we don't really have a kicker. Like they were going to find someone to kick. I was like, okay, let me go give it a shot. There's like a few other kids that are trying to be the kicker too. Right. So I'm at these practices and they they want to see if I got anything. So I start kicking for them and I, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. The kicks are going in. Like, you know, I'm kicking. Apparently they're going in, they're telling me. So looks like I'm doing <laughs> something right. And nice. so there's like a few assistant coaches that would like work with me and stuff and try to help me get better at it. But ultimately... You, I learned a tough lesson. They don't give a shit about kickers. No one cares about them. Like, they're very important, and they get angry when things don't go well. But no one cares about kickers. And the other thing that was funny is there's a very big double standard of when you're part of the team and when you're not part of the team. So, like, we didn't do kicking stuff more than, like, two, maybe three times a week when the coach would even bother to talk to me. So besides that, it would just be, like, me doing my own stuff or me doing stuff with the rest of the team, like conditioning. So during like the hell week, you got all these big kids, right? And they're like yeah. doing all these running drills and grass drills and stuff. And everyone hates it and talk about how hard it is. And I'm like 6'4", 170. I exercise every day. And I'm like, <laughs> very lean, man. this isn't too big of a deal, you know? Like I get <laughs> like it isn't great. But if this is like the conditioning, everyone cries about it. I can imagine it sucks at 245, but I'm, I'm not 245. Like this is fine. So... I kind of just took it in stride, had some workouts in August with them, but they, they said I could be the starting kicker. So then Hell yeah. things started to shift a little bit because one hand, I was pretty good at kicking and they said I had the job, but they never actually let me practice kicking. So like the idea <laughs> of kicking isn't just like, oh, I run up to a ball that's still and kick it. Like there's like a whole yeah, process, yeah, like, like there's a snap, a hold and a kick and there's linemen in front of me and there's it's defense timing. coming at you. Yeah. And so my coach probably gave me 10 reps in three weeks. <laughs> and keep in mind, I've never kicked before and I'm blind. I've never done any of this. Yeah, so like you never the timing and, and figuring out where I need to be, like all this is much harder than you, than I, I gave it credit for, I think at the time. Did you only kick? For like, did you do punting and like, like kickoffs or did you only do extra points and stuff like that? So I only did like kicking. I didn't do punting, but they were going to have me do kickoffs okay. at like the second game of the season. They had me practicing all week, 
but I'll get into that in a second. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. So you know, I'm, I'm I'm practicing, but they don't give me any reps. So we go to our like first scrimmage thing, where we're like, kind of, it's not a big deal. And I make a kick, like it's pretty good. I'm like, nice. Ran onto nice. the field, made a kick. But I, I slowly but surely started to realize that like, I missed a kick too, and it's like a kick you shouldn't miss. Like I miss an extra point, <laughs> which you just like shouldn't miss. And I'm saying to myself, is like, that is that the same in high school? Like that that expectation is you don't miss. Extra oh yeah, points don't miss school. extra points. Yeah. That doesn't happen. Okay. So I'm just I, like, I, my, my high school didn't have an ex, uh, a football team. So oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm lacking on high school Maybe not experience. every kick, but you got to make almost all of them. Like the 90, 95% type deal? Yeah, yeah. That's right. And in, in Not 50-50? Correct. In fact, <laughs> I mean, the, the kick I made was more than an extra point. It was like a field goal. But nonetheless, okay. like, I can't be missing extra points. And in practice, if I'm just sitting there kicking with my, my little holder thing, I can make 98 out of 100 of them. Right. But it's a little different now with this whole process and all these logistics. Now, put it on top of it, my coaches were all awful. Like, they sucked. Like, they didn't <laughs> care about kickers, and they definitely didn't care about me. And my teammates, some of them I liked, but a lot of them I didn't like very much. And it was kind of like the who the hell is this guy deal. And yeah, yeah, yeah. there was some ambiguity for sure over my blindness. So this came up two times, particularly. One time, I had to make a request to be able to get one of those face shields on my helmet, which I talked about before. So yeah, I had to get the face shield, and I had to get the coach to back me up. So I had to explain to him that I couldn't see anything. So that was pretty rough, because he didn't know that I couldn't see anything, and that was kind of a big uh, barrier to entry with my football coach. Yeah, your kicker's right. blind. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> But the second thing that happened hey man, was, can't actually tell if I'm making these kicks, but <laughs> but I'm here. Yeah, exactly. The second thing that happened though, um, it was one of the hardest things to deal with I've ever had to deal with. So I told you, the assistant coaches, like they like tried to work with me and stuff, but they were all not nice guys, and nice, they nice. like like there was a day where they're doing like they want to get film of our practice. And they were all working with the team. And I was off to the side. And I had already done my kicking stuff. And I was going to go pretty soon. Um, and they asked me to use this thing called an eye in the sky. Which is like a camera that moves like 20 feet in the air. And can oh, capture the yeah. field. And they're like, Ethan, can you record the practice? I'm like, I don't think so, no. coach. <laughs> and they're like, what do you mean you don't think so? I'm like. Um, I, I, I kind of got to get out of here and I don't think I'd be great at this. He goes, what do you mean you wouldn't be great at this? I'm like, I don't think video recording is my strength. <laughs> He's like, what the hell are you talking about? And then he starts getting like vividly angry and starts yelling at me. And oh boy. like, I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? I just tell this guy I can't see. And my whole team is now looking at me. And like some of the guys know, some of the guys don't, most of the coaches don't know. And at that point I was like, I just can't do it. I got to go. And I just left. And what you say that pretty much pissed the guy off, but it was one of the most awkward times for me as a visually impaired person. No, that's tough. Cause you're, I mean, I've been put on the spot like that. Cause it's like, you're like, Oh shit. Like it's kind of, it feels almost too late to be like, okay, now I'm going to give you this entire backstory. But then now that they're mad, you know, you're also in this weird position where you like, 
because I feel like explaining your low vision is kind of a, put yourself in a vulnerable spot. Especially when you're not really trying the to do entire that. football team. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's not great. Yeah. So I kind of just walked away. He was pissed off. I explained it to him like the next day, but he was still really pissed about how like I handled it. I don't care. I don't think I had a lot of outs, to be honest. Do you think I had any outs? No, I don't think you had any outs at that. I mean, I would I didn't tell my like, like my, my track coach was like, that was my whole life. And I didn't even mention it to him, you know? So once you're in the hole of no one knows, it's very tough to dig out of that hole in, in a in a moment of time. I yeah, think also like hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's tough, and and on top of that, like it it's it's hard to dig out of that hole. But like when you're when no one knows, like if you if like a couple people got your back when you're telling the story, it's a lot easier, you know. If you have some friends who'd be like, coach, coach, like you know he he's got bad vision, lay off, but. Yeah, when your back's against the wall, it's like when we nod and smile when we don't know what someone's giving us on our phone. It's like, it's just, sometimes it's not worth it to get into that whole shebang. 100%. And it's rarely been like escalated to any meaningful spot, but I think it was just that kind of person and I didn't have a lot of choices. Yeah. But anyway, um, I'll, I'll, I'll pick up speed here with this whole story. Um, pretty much... I was a starting kicker for like two or three games. Um, I was terrible uh, going back to the, they don't give me any reps in practice. It's going to be pretty hard for me to kick in games problem. Uh, Fair. I think another part of it was, again, I told you I'm really good at tryouts. So I did great in the initial tryout. They made me the kicker. Then like after like my second game, I wasn't kicking very well. So during practice, they'd open tryouts for a kicker. And again, I was just way better than the other kickers. So like they had no choice but to keep me as the kicker. Um, and But after that third game, second or third game, uh, I decided to stop playing. Um, to be honest, the, the reason I stopped playing was because there was some stuff going on in my team that was just extremely unacceptable. And I'm happy to tell you right. if we cut it off the podcast, but... I just I don't particularly want to share <laughs> yeah, it on yeah, here. Yeah. And not, no, by the that's... way, for for listeners out there, nothing against me personally. Just uh, some things that my team did in the community that I don't think is uh, representative of something right. I want to associate with. Super so with fair. that said, I left the team, but nonetheless, I was the first blind kicker I think maybe ever. Um, and Hell yeah, dude. Another thing that happened though is I'll never forget there was one game where. I I think it was the second game where I missed an extra point and my assistant coach lost it on me on the sideline. Same guy. He was so angry <laughs> and he was going at me about all the practice uh, stuff again. And I missed this kick and I'm feeling like shit already, right? Kicker's very lonely right. job and he missed. And you can't miss yeah. an extra point. And after the game and, and also the guy who held kicks for me was the backup quarterback. And he was just so pissed he wasn't the starting quarterback and he hated doing special team stuff. <laughs> that probably didn't help with the reason why I had so few reps. And yeah. so after the game was over, like a few of my teammates like made comments to me and stuff. And uh, I mean, it didn't cost like the game. harsh comments. No, no. Like, like we lost the game, like 40 to six or something. Okay. Like it didn't oh, cost yeah. us the game by any means, but 
nonetheless, like people like it was like a good thing to like talk about when you were pretty pissed off, you know, oh the kicker missed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they had like the local news station like does the high school football games. And they had a cameraman there and they had a picture gallery from the game afterwards. And the team sent in like this chat afterwards, these pictures. And in one of the photos, there's a photo of my holder attempting to hold the football, but his finger is just like nine inches hovering over the ball. So the reason why I missed is because the ball just fell into my foot. (laughs) There was no hold. Like you kind of just caught it. And and since you're blind, you probably didn't see that it happened. (laughs) Oh, I had no idea. Right. I'm just focused on making the ball go forward. So yeah, I think that there was a lot going on, but that was some some validation yeah. for me to know it wasn't all my fault. Yeah. Yeah, man. But that yeah, sounds all fun That stuff. sounds I mean, it's a cool experience, but that sounds like a tough situation. I think I built some resilience from it. Like I'm not going to put myself in yeah. a worse blind situation. And I I learned a lot <laughs> from it and I have some fun stories, but I don't know if I would want to do it again. Yeah. But I, I proved that I could do it, which I think is a lot of you it. You proved. Right? You proved that you could do it for sure. And, I mean, I don't I, – I would agree probably best legally blind kicker out there. I mean, if anyone Someone, wants to compete, I'm here. Yeah, I don't think they have kicking in the, uh, in, the in, in the Paralympics. In most did, countries. You know, I, feel, yeah. I like my chances. I like your chances too. But yeah, pretty much, you know, as a sports person, basketball, soccer, football at the end, and, you know, mixing all the small ball sports for a short period of time before it was too hard to compete with people. And in college, played a lot of intramural sports, you know, flag football and basketball and all that. I was pretty good for for the basketball team, and I still play a lot with with my friends on different teams. And it definitely helped that I grew. Basket got a lot closer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can you dunk at, at 6'4"? To be honest, I'm going to have to pathetically say no. I could dunk Ooh. like a smaller ball, but I can't dunk a basketball. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's I not can't good. dunk at I'm, all. That's great. Um, but yeah, pretty much all, all that good stuff. And I think my blindness played like a significant role in the way I played sports. Yeah, that's that's interesting. You know, I feel like there are times when I'm playing racket sports where I connect with the ball in almost like a sixth sense of the way. I don't know if you feel what I'm talking about, but there are times, like I feel like by playing squash so much as a child, I built up like the sense of when the ball would be there and where it would be, but not the ability to actually see the ball that well. Like I can play ping pong pretty well. Oh, I'm very Even good though, at ping pong. Yeah, but like that, but then sometimes, like, given the right lighting, I'm absolutely terrible because I can't see anything that's going on. Hundred percent. Yeah, funny stuff. I mean, I think we should play a, a squash game for the podcast. I don't even know how to play. I played racquetball sometimes. <laughs> I assume it's got to be pretty similar. Sorry, pretty squash similar, people yeah. out there, if you want to tell me I'm wrong, no, no, free. it's pretty. It's pretty similar. Right. I haven't played squash now since like sophomore year of college. But I mean, I, I was better than like 80% of my – the only person who was better than me at squash on my cross-country team was the kid who played squash in high school. Um, 
That might, I mean, I, you know, cross country runners not notoriously very hand eye coordinated individuals, <laughs> and you know, I always joke, you know, can't be hand eye coordinated if you don't have the eyes. So you could be hand <laughs> hand coordinated. I'm I'm hand coordinated, ish. I'm at, uh, yeah, ish. <laughs> yeah, I've I've heard yeah. the hand eye coordination jokes in my day. We could um. We, yeah, we could have a race, and then we could play one-on-one basketball. Yeah, we play <laughs> so we can both I'm definitely going to run faster. <laughs> this is the problem with uh, with running as your main sport, though. Like, if I were to decide to never run again, like five years down the line, there would be no leftover, like, fact athleticism of my running ability. I'd just be like heavy and slow. I don't agree with you. Like, I, you don't agree? There's like a running baseline that you build up. That's true. Like I will I, say... I've run recreationally, yeah. let's say. Like I was running... Wow, compared to your numbers, I'm going to look like a joke. So we'll make you look good. Like junior, senior year of high school, I probably ran 25 miles a week. No, that's... Like that. Dude, as, as, as someone who's not running, that's that's good. I was running like... Six days at my peak of running. I was running like six yeah. days a week, four or five, three to five miles, I'd say. And I mean, so, like, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Like, you know, I don't run. I So I, I run like more now, but there's like a one or two year period where I didn't really run my freshman or sophomore year. And I could still go out and run like two and a half, three miles at a normal pace and get away with it. And it wasn't yeah. because like I was running. I think that if you didn't run for a while and you just wanted to run four or five miles, it wouldn't be a problem. Well, so I actually have the the hard facts of what I could and couldn't do because of my concussion. Um, because, right, so I got concussed junior year, January, um, and I didn't run for about 10 months. I didn't do any exercising for 10 months um, because of my concussion. It was very tough, tough time in my life. But um, the fun part is, on the cross country team in college, we always used to like argue about like how long you go without running and then still break five minutes in the mile. Um, and so my senior or senior year during cross country, um, I started running again in like October and I ran, Oh, that's a lie. I started running in September. I ran for like the majority of September. I hurt my foot, didn't run for two weeks. And then we ran our last like 5k time trial, which is what all we were doing um, my senior year because of COVID. And I ran, basically we called it a couch to five, couch to race 5k. Um, <laughs> Cause basically 10 months, no running. I ran 1748, um, which I actually was really proud of. Yeah, that's even still though, really fast. I mean, yeah, I was like, you know, sub six. I, sub, I think it was like 548 pace or something like that. Um, and then a week later, I wanted I've, I've broken five minutes a mile every year, every calendar year since I was whatever, um, since what is it? Since twenty fourteen, I've broken five in the mile every year. Um, so the next week, I ran a four forty eight mile on the track just to break five. So those those were my times with a little bit of training after not working out for 10, 10, 10 months. So doesn't that prove the point? It does, I guess. Okay, but. Uh, I do think it, it would. I mean, so I actually haven't run in a while because of my knee, 
Um, so I don't know, maybe, maybe for the podcast, once my knee is healthy, I, I can do it again and see what happens. Cause I've been lifting now. So I've, I've put on some, some weight this time. So it might be harder. <laughs> I mean, it's a new year. You got to run a five minute mile. I, I do. Uh, I'm certainly going sub five. Not oh, for sure. Not immediately. Well, I mean, not right now. I probably won't. Oh, I don't know. I've always said that I could break five. So I, I'm not going to count myself out, but I've been lifting a lot, which I feel like is changing my strength, you know? Um, but we'll see. Ooh, I do have a great anecdote about breaking sub five miles that I feel like would be amazing for this podcast. It's one of my favorite stories. So uh, junior year, I'll refresh everyone's mind. Uh, junior year, I went to nationals for cross country, right? So right after nationals, um, it's Thanksgiving, right? It's like literally the weekend after that is Thanksgiving. Um, so I go down to Florida, see my grandmother, and uh, one of my my mom's in a big family. One of her sisters comes down with my cousins, um, and it's Wednesday night, which is the day before Thanksgiving, and that's like a notorious, very big drinking night. <laughs> of course, um, of course, and you know, um, we're we're having a lot of drinks down in the hotel bar, um, a lot of drinks, emphasis. And a lot. And uh, my cousin Michael and I are very competitive people. And I'm I'm kind of trash talking a little bit. But Michael trash talks too. And I'm basically saying, because right now, right, I'm in the peak of my running shape. And I'm like, I could break five minutes of the mile whenever. Right now. Whenever you say, yeah, you say I break five minutes of the mile, I'll do it. So Michael's like, all right, break five minutes of the mile right now. <laughs> So I finish my beer at the bar. <laughs> oh, of course. Uh, you wouldn't want to leave a walk wounded over, warrior. Yeah, we never want to leave a wounded soldier on the bar. So uh, I'm wearing, you know, like I'm wearing a dress shirt and shorts and flip-flops. So I go to the hotel gym. I take my shirt off. I put the treadmill up to 12 miles an hour, which is exactly five-minute pace. I let it go to 0.1 first, so there's no, like, acceleration time. Um, I hop on the treadmill. I take my flip-flops off. I go barefoot on the treadmill. Um, I run a 452-mile drunk on the treadmill, no shoes, in normal shorts, <laughs> to prove my point <laughs> that I could break five minutes a mile whenever. Now, I can't do that anymore, but maybe once I get, once I get uh, fast again, maybe we'll, we'll have to do an episode where... I prove my point and get hammered and run a sub five and a mile. <laughs> Sounds like a great episode. And I'll run a sub seven and we'll call it a day. Yeah. Hell yeah. I don't know if I could do a sub seven drunk though. Well, I'm not very fast. <laughs> I believe in you. We'll train for it. I guess I guess if you're pacing me with your five minute mile, then I'll have no problem. <laughs> <laughs> Just make your legs move, idiot. <laughs> Um, uh, okay, I think that's, that's what we rad. got for today. Next time, I mean, I think we might have to talk about what it's like blinding ourselves even more. What it's like to go out, you know, have a few beverages. Yeah, party and, uh, culture like as a blind town. individual. It's like <laughs> town as a blind individual. Yeah. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Wow, if you're still here, good on you.
Tune in next week. Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at Blind Confidence Podcast. See you guys later.